0: This is Garden Variety, a horticulture podcast from Iowa Public Radio and Iowa State University Extension and Outreach. The term social wasps might make you think of the wasps that invade your backyard parties and try to insert themselves into your beverage of choice, but it actually refers to the fact that certain kinds of wasps like to live in groups. And today we're going to find out about some of those wasps. Zach Shum is an entomologist with the Iowa State University Plant and Insect Diagnostic Clinic. Hello, Zach.
1: Good morning. How are you?
0: Wonderful. Good to see you this morning. And, you know, we've had a lot of awareness-raising about the benefits of pollinators in recent years. And so that has caused a lot of people to rethink their feelings about certain kinds of bees, etc. Wasps are a little bit harder sell, aren't they?
1: They are a little bit of a harder sell, but I always argue that they are indeed beneficial organisms and we don't really have to be that afraid of them. So, I mean, there are many wasps that do have, they are pollinators as well, But a lot of the things that we are really afraid of, like paper wasps, uh, yellow jackets, hornets. uh, Hornets are actually a type of yellow jacket, believe it or not. So there's really not any native hornets to North America. So the things that we call hornets are usually something different. Uh, They also are predators of a lot of garden pests. So, you know, if you have wasps in your garden, that's kind of a good thing. So, you know, they do have the ability to sting. But, you know, unless you're allergic to them, the concerns for them are somewhat limited, at least less than we tend to think they are.
0: So when we say social wasps, tell me what that means.
1: So it just means that there's essentially a caste system. So inside that colony or that hive or that nest, whatever you wish to call it, uh, there is usually a queen, a single queen wasp that does all the production of progeny of immature wasps and new wasps in that nest. Uh, and then there's also workers that essentially go out and do all the work for the colony or the hive. Uh, they go and collect food. They go and uh, you know collect food for the other wasps in the nest. They take care of the queen. And then there's also the males, which don't really do much of anything <laughs> other than mate with uh, the uh, the queen and then the queens for the future year as well. So, um, yeah, the males are a lot less useful in, in social wasp nests.
0: All right. Know. And th- so this sounds similar to what we think of when we think of honeybees, kind of that that social structure. But wasps aren't going to build a, a place to live and stay there forever, right? I mean, we do see honeybees obviously have these colonies where they, they stick around for a long time.
1: Yeah, that's true. So that's a good point. Uh, so many of the yellow jackets, hornets, they only use a nest for one year. And then the following year, they will move on to another area and find a new nesting location. So the I mean, more or less the whole colony or the whole nest from any particular year dies. Uh, new queens, so new queens that are essentially mating with the males that are in the nest, they will overwinter inside that nest. And then once spring comes around, they will move on from that nest and go make their own nest somewhere else as the queen of that nest. Uh, so to put it simply, that's kind of how it goes. Right, that yeah. seems
0: like an enormous amount of work.
1: It. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of work. So, um, but yeah, so I mean, if you see a nest in the middle of winter that you knew was active, like if you see a hornet nest hanging from a tree, Uh, That is essentially in the winter, there's going to be a bunch of overwintering queens in there that are going to leave, and then you'll just have a nest sitting on your tree that'll just stay there until the wind gets rid of it, hail, you know, weather, you name it. So uh, nests will not be reused. There's a couple of species of paper wasps that have been documented to reuse old nests, but it's very, very uncommon. Uh, so we just blanketly say that they don't reuse nests. Ever. All right.
0: Well, you've mentioned the the term yellow jackets. I think, you know, with a lot of insects, people are very imprecise with their language. That's probably a pet peeve of many entomologists. Um, so when I say <laughs> yellow jackets, I mean, that's a, a family, right? What does that mean?
1: So yellow jackets, what we call hornets. So I guess this is a good time to point out that the, like the bald faced hornet that we all tend to be the most familiar with. That's actually a type of aerial yellow jacket. So they're a type of yellow jacket that makes their nest up, quote, in the air, which means they hang it from a tree or under the eave of your house or something like that. Uh, The standard yellow jacket makes their nest in the ground. So they will have a little nest entrance in the ground, and usually they're making their nest like in a hollow area under a tree stump or something like that. Uh, So they're both in the same family, uh, which we call Vespidae. Uh, That includes paper wasps, yellow jackets, Hornets, things of that nature. So they're all kind of in the same family. They're all very closely related. They all have very similar behavior, certainly. But aerial yellow jackets, AKA hornets in North America, they're ones that just make their nest up hanging somewhere, whereas other ones make them underground.
0: A lot of us have encountered yellow jackets in many different kinds of locations. Is there a habitat that they seem to prefer?
1: They do really like soil that they can kind of dig into. Uh, so like I mentioned, they like to make their nest under in places like tree stumps, uh, where there's sort of space underneath the ground that they can make a large nest. They can also sort of excavate some of that area if they need to. But any sort of cavity that's in the ground, and maybe like a rock wall that you've put up in your garden, places where they can go behind things and under things and hide, they're going to love that. Uh, that includes houses too, so they can get behind your walls in your house if you have an opening in your siding. Uh, pretty much any sort of cavity that they can sneak into and make a nest they're really going to love that because it's nice and protected and they don't have to worry about weather as much or predators and things of that nature and they're more hidden from humans too so yeah they they really like those hiding places for sure
0: how far will they travel to find prey
1: that's a really good question and it it depends on the species certainly Uh, the only one i'm really familiar with was some yellow jackets that i worked with out in utah uh, but they would travel. Usually it was with, within a couple thousand feet of their nest, but which is a, quite a distance, though, if you think about it for a tiny insect like that. But they could forage as much as a few thousand feet from their nest in order to find food. But most of it happens within the nearby vicinity. So you can think probably within 500 feet or so. That's kind of a guess, but it's likely somewhere in there for most species but they can certainly travel further if they need to.
0: Now, a lot of us feel uncomfortable when we encounter them, especially when we're at a backyard barbecue or that kind of thing, and they seem to be hanging around. Um, the advice that people always give, of course, if, if you don't bother them, they won't bother you unless you actually drink them because they're <laughs> in your drink. That's a bad idea. Um, it, do you have any further advice for, for how not to freak out when you encounter them?
1: Yeah, that, another really good question. And so the old advice of if you don't bother them, they don't bother you is usually pretty good. Uh, I It's really funny. Like if I'm ever outside eating, you know, my outdoor eating area, yellow jackets will come in and they'll just like start picking at the food that's on my plate. I just leave them be. I let them take their fair share and I let them fly away with it. And, you know, 10 minutes later, they'll come back for more. I usually just ignore them, and I've never been stung. I I mean, I really haven't. And uh, my friends and family members that like to swat away at them and, like, kind of, you know, react differently to them, they're always the ones that end up getting stung. Now, I always do say that they do have the ability to sting, so there's always a chance for one, but they're really not overall aggressive creatures. Once we get late into the fall, when food sources are limited for them in nature... Uh, They can get a little bit more aggressive, so to speak. They get a little bit more territorial around their nests. But, you know, if you just ignore them, they really aren't going to bother you 99% of the time. And one thing I I always see, you see paper wasps, like, walking around you or flying around you, and they kind of, like, do a little zigzag pattern sometimes over the lawn. It looks like they're flying at you. All they're doing is foraging for food, and humans are not food for them. So they're just foraging. They might be attracted to some colorful shirts or pants that you're wearing or clothing, Uh, But that's that's really it. So I promise people that if like you just kind of ignore them when they're out foraging and doing their thing and you're not near a nest. That's a different story. If you're like walking over top of their nest, they're they're really not going to bother you most of the time. And I I say most of the time because it's possible, but it's very unlikely.
0: You talked about them eating smaller insects. Why do they want our picnic lunch?
1: Well, so, yeah, I mean, insects need the same types of things we need in our diets. They need proteins. They need sugars. They need lots of different things. So If they can't find it easily in nature, I mean, insects are a really good protein source for them. So you can see them in your garden and taking away some grasshoppers and other pest insects from your garden, that's perfect for them. But if you have a nice plate of food sitting out in front of you at your picnic table, that's really easy access to to some of the nutrition that those wasps need. So they're going to take it if you can let them. I let them.
0: (laughs) You uh, you mentioned that they will possibly get behind the siding of your house or burrow under the front porch or things right. like that. And so that can cause real problems for people. What do you do if you have a problem nest?
1: Yeah. So if you do have a problematic nest, usually we say if the you know, if you see a bald faced hornet net or bald faced aerial yellow jacket nest that's hanging on the eve of your house so it's, you know, within fifteen, twenty feet of where you're standing, or if you have a yellow jacket nest underground in a garden that you frequent, you know, those are good cases for removal, particularly if you know you're allergic to those stings. So we always recommend outsourcing to a professional just because they do have the ability to sting. Uh, There are some options, though, for homeowners. We recommend if you do apply any insecticide, whether it's a dust formulation or one of those long-distance sprays for like the aerial nests, uh, that you do it late at night. So their, wasps are much less active at night. They're usually hanging out in the nest. It's a lot cooler for them. They don't want to be out flying or foraging because they're awake during the day. So do everything at night. Like if you can wait until after 11 p.m., uh, do it before 6 a.m. Sometime before that, you're going to really increase the effectiveness of removing that nest completely or treating it properly, as long as you're following the label directions on the chemical or product that you're using. And you're going to really limit the amount of stings that you could experience. But we always recommend if you're hesitant, just contact a professional. It's the best thing that you can do.
0: You mentioned paper wasps and uh, bald-faced hornets, and they build the most amazing structures, yeah. especially the hornets. Make yeah. those incredible nests as all the leaves fall often we'll see them hanging in the trees. How do they do that?
1: It is just incredible. I mean, so if you ever see a a hornet or a paper wasp or any of these things sort of on your deck and they're kind of just standing still um, or on your house, kind of anywhere on a tree, you can often see them chewing off little strips of your deck, which is really alarming in a sense. They're really never going to do any major damage to your deck but or your house or whatever is made of wood that you have sitting around. But they're taking little shavings of paper things and wood-based things, and they're taking them back to their nest and just assembling them into these beautiful, intricate... Nests. I mean, they re- they really are incredible, and so I I mentioned too that if you have nests that are hanging on trees that you know are vacant, you can take them down, and they're like beautiful artwork if you cut them in half. It's just incredible what these different wasps. Well, and, and people
0: can do. do like to use them for home decor. They are cool. Any words of warning if you decide to take a hornet's nest into your home?
1: It's good to know that the wa- or the nest is vacant. You don't want to just assume that one's vacant and walk up to it and cut it down from the tree because if there's something in there, you're going to have a very bad day uh, because they you know, I say they don't like to sting, but if you threaten their nest, they're going to change their mind very quickly. Uh, so you know it's good to do it in the winter time. If you cut it down in the winter time, you know they're all inactive in there and basically everything's dead inside that nest inst- except for the queens that are going to go make a new nest the following year. So you can just, you know, remove that nest in the wintertime. That's what I always recommend. A colleague of mine found one in their yard and I was like, just wait till winter. Like, you don't want to, you don't want to risk it.
0: <laughs> that That is fair. Could the queen wake up in your house if you take it inside?
1: That's a really good question. I mean, some insects can come out of dormancy kind of early, so to speak. Um, so yeah, I don't actually know a specific answer to that. All like right. what conditions would require, would be required for them to wake up early. Um, so, you know, just keep it in your freezer for a little while, maybe. All
0: right. Use extreme <laughs> caution. Zach Shum is an entomologist with the Iowa State University Plant and Insect Diagnostic Clinic. For more gardening information and tips, please subscribe to our Garden Variety newsletter. You can find out more at org slash garden. I'm Charity Nebbe. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Garden Variety is a production of Iowa Public Radio and Iowa State University Extension. It's produced by me, Erin Style, Caitlin Troutman, and the Iowa Public Radio talk show team. For more garden goodness, please subscribe to our Garden Variety Newsletter. Just go to iowapublicradio.org garden. I'm Charity Nebbe. See you next time.